0: Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Kino, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello everybody, it is Monday, March the 6th, 2023, new week, new month, old themes, Ron DeSantis, Florida's governor, has been in California, my state, um... Blasting what he calls leftist politicians and touting Florida's massive gains uh, at a speech at the Ronald Reagan Library. He apparently lambasted uh, California's woke ideology. And I think we're on the brink, surprise, surprise, of another round of culture wars driven by DeSantis and his attempt to reinvent himself as the next version of donald trump so america needs to brace itself for more culture wars more accusations uh a lot of unpleasantness but perhaps things aren't quite as bad as they would seem um last year we had the the writer sasha eisenberg on the show who's written a book about the engagement uh america's quarter-century struggle over same-sex marriage uh Americans now accept same-sex marriage. And America, not perhaps the most tolerant of country, nonetheless has, and I use this word carefully, has embraced same-sex marriage and, and, and some elements of sexuality. And uh, So perhaps there are suggestions that for all Desantis's culture wars, um, there may be a little bit more toleration on the horizon my guest today has been doing a lot of thinking about these issues uh, craig seligman um, is a distinguished writer on politics and culture identity and he has a new book out uh who does that bitch think she is it's in some ways a history of drag a uh, history of the pioneering queen doris fish uh, a woman or a man who was born in San Fran- uh, born in Sydney and spent a lot of her career down the road from me in San Francisco. Um, and perhaps uh, the story of Doris Fish might tell us a little bit about what can and can't happen on the culture wars front. Uh, Craig is joining us from his house in Brooklyn, New York. Craig, welcome. Uh, this story of Doris Fish... Um, Obviously, it's interesting in its own right, but did you choose to do a biography of, of Fish because of the broader cultural and political significance?
1: Um, that was certainly one aspect of it. I chose to do the biography partly because I think Doris Fish was one of the most fascinating people I ever knew. And is a figure I was afraid would be lost to history if I didn't write about him. But at the same time, I thought I could talk about the changes that went on in queer life between 1969 and 1991 when Doris died through the figure of Doris.
0: So tell us, uh, Craig, about Doris. I I have to admit, I didn't know anything about it before coming across your book. Most people probably haven't. who who was he or she or whatever pronoun we want to use to describe her
1: um well the pronoun i've used throughout the book is he because doris was a gay man who did drag but doris never Uh, never had any interest in becoming a woman in a trans sense. Uh, Doris never thought of himself as a woman in a gender sense. Uh, He thought of himself as a drag queen, which uh, in those years we saw as a a very different thing. Uh, Doris was born in Sydney and first started doing drag there with a group called Sylvia and the Synthetics. They were very similar to the Coquettes in San Francisco, the kind of anti-drag drag drag, uh, group that did drag with a lot of glitter and hairy chests uh, and men and women and straight and gay members. Uh, Later on, he moved to San Francisco and became really one of uh, the city's uh, best-known professional drag queens. And uh, when he was...
0: Growing up, coming on the scene, drag in cultural form was, to put it politely or mildly, frowned upon. Did he help popularize it and make it more mainstream?
1: Oh, I think there's absolutely no question about that. Uh, Drag was an underground culture, even in the gay world, in the um, 60s and 70s. And by the 80s, uh, Doris was one of the people who had made it far more mainstream, Uh, Doris's name was well known in San Francisco, far beyond the gay community. And especially with the advent of AIDS, drag queens turned from pariahs in the gay community to cheerleaders for the community. They were always doing benefits and appearing in hospital wards. And that was, I think, when the public perception of drag really began to change.
0: There were many or at least uh, you identify three Doris fishes, um, which only reflects perhaps the plasticity of identity for men, women, straight, gay, whatever. Tell us about the, 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 the different Doris fishes that you have dug up in, in, in your biography, Craig.
1: Yes, Doris had a very compartmentalized life and all of Doris's friends and family knew this. Doris was best known as a drag queen. Uh, An out there, crazy, loud, giant personality drag queen. Doris was also a serious artist. Uh, drag was his main form of art, but he was also a painter, a scenery designer, and a writer. And the third Doris, who was equally important, was Doris the hooker, Doris the prostitute. Doris made his money as a male um, as a male sex worker for his entire life. And he was a really good-looking guy who cared about his body and spent a lot of time at the gym. So... Uh, So he saw himself uh, as a sex worker, never kept it a secret from uh, the public or from his family. And those three aspects, all of which centered around his gayness, informed his life.
0: Is that triple identity? And I'm sure there are others as well. Do you think that that's typical of all of us or a, a particular type of person like Doris Fish, attracted to dressing up and changing or inventing or reinventing gender? Uh,
1: I don't think Doris was really reinventing gender. And I think, in fact, it's more true of Doris and people, a certain kind of person than it is of most of us. I think that I, for example, have a more integrated personality. I don't think that I'm one person in one part of my life and one person in another part of my life. Um, of course, we all change a little when, uh, with every friend we speak to, but I think the changes were more extreme in Doris's case. He was, or at least he seemed a different person when he was a small, quiet man working on a painting and a fabulous drag queen on stage, or I never actually experienced him as a hooker in the bedroom, but I suspect he did some of his best acting there. Did you know him? I I did. Um my husband Silvana Nova was a drag queen, a distinguished drag queen in San Francisco. That right, there's a picture of him. In yeah, Doris and Nor- they were on the
0: same movie uh, on Vegas in Space, right? Doris
1: made a movie called v- uh, Vegas in Space in which Silvana makes a fairly cameo appearance and that's a picture of us on the set. Uh, Sylvana did a series of uh, of drag shows, a uh, soap opera called Naked Brunch with Doris in the early eighties, and it was through Sylvana that I met Doris.
0: I have to admit that uh, I live in as as we were discussing earlier before we went live. I live in San Francisco, very close to the Castro District, uh, and I go it. I go there almost daily. There always seems to me a feeling of The morning after a party there these days, Uh, I'm rather nostalgic for the pre-AIDS period. Uh, Was it um, is there an element of nostalgia in this book, Craig, for, for the glory years?
1: There absolutely is. I mean, to begin with, the book was a way for me to write a memoir without talking about myself. It was about talking. It was a way of talking about my time in San Francisco and the incredible city that I experienced in those years. And that's a city that, as far as I can tell, no longer exists. I love returning to San Francisco, but San Francisco is become when i was in san francisco it was a city of bohemians it's become a city of the rich and a city of tech and it's a very different city now
0: i wonder if there's a a word an antonym to bohemians provincials um i mean they're not politically conservative but culturally it's an incredibly conservative
1: place these days i think. San Francisco, uh, although it does still, from my understanding at least, have a big drag presence.
0: Yeah, maybe I didn't get
1: invited, Craig, to the right <laughs> parties. Maybe maybe you can make both, some introductions. I think we're both a little too old to get invited to those parties. Speak for yourself, Craig. Uh,
0: <laughs> so, in, in all seriousness, uh, you, you, you your your book is in a way a, a, a cultural contemporary history of of this period. Mm-hmm goes all the way from Stonewall to the uh, the gay and lesbian the Sydney gay and lesbian Mardi Gras obviously mm-hmm. to the AIDS crisis we've done sh- shows on AIDS what do you think your biography unearth is about unearths about this period that
1: um, many readers might not be familiar with Well, one reason I wanted to write it was to give a history of that period from the standpoint of San Francisco and Sydney. The story of gay liberation and AIDS in particular is almost always told these days from a New York point of view, uh, because New York is where the media pretty much still are. And the story we get is the story of ACT UP. Uh, and its protest against the uh, uh, the federal government's indifference to the AIDS crisis. That's an incredible uh, incredibly important story and I don't want to uh, suggest that it's uh, it's of lesser significance than it is. But there were other stories going on during AIDS. And San Francisco was a particularly incredible place to be during the AIDS crisis, because unlike New York, which really um, was a city in which the mayor was guilty of malfeasance and ignoring the gay community in the crisis, San Francisco was a city that really came to the aid of its citizens who were suffering from AIDS. The mayor, Diane Feinstein, told Paul Volberding, the head of uh, AIDS at San Francisco General, to just write a check for, uh, for what he needed uh, for any amount, and she would sign it. And it was, wasn't just the government. It was the, um, the city in general that supported its, uh, its citizens who were sick. Many people will associate Har- uh, the name Harvey Milk, of course, with
0: um, the gay community in San Francisco. The, uh, the city has renamed its Terminal One, the Harvey Milk Terminal One um, uh, at SFO at the, the airport. I'm actually going to the airport later today. I know you're not necessarily a huge fan of milk, are you? I know you yeah. were involved even in a demonstration against that terminal.
1: No, no. In fact, I that's uh that's not true. I was I'm a huge fan of Harvey Milk. Oh, sorry. A,
0: maybe I misread it. I was I read it and I thought that's a bit odd.
1: No, no. Uh someone in the uh that I quote in the book said he had not been a fan of Harvey Milk until he saw him gave his give his last speech and realized that um Harvey Milk had been pretty much uh lifted by the tides of history, and he felt the same way about Doris. But no, I'm a great admirer of Harvey Milk and of what he did politically in San Francisco. Uh, As a footnote, in fact, my husband, Silvana Nova, ran a uh, campaign against Harvey Milk in 1970. Uh, Was it seven or eight when he was elected uh, city supervisor? But it was a joke campaign. It was an art campaign. He was not a serious candidate. He was running as a drag queen because he and a group of his friends felt that too many politicians in those days were trying to were were setting a coat and tie image for the gay community. And they wanted to remind people that there was a whole other part of the gay community who didn't wear coats and didn't wear ties and in fact didn't wear pants. They wore skirts. Yeah. Um I'm not going to make any dirty jokes on that one. Uh
0: you're a lot of people will be familiar with your previous book, Sontag and Kale, a book about Susan Sontag and Pauline Kale. You obviously know your your movie history inside out. I wonder whether, and you mentioned your husband, uh,
1: uh, Silvana, uh,
0: Silvana Nova, who co-starred with, uh, with Doris in, in, um, in a movie, uh, Vegas in space. Is there something particularly, many people will of course be familiar with Harvey Milk because of the movie about him, which was a fairly straightforward biographical movie. Mm -hmm. But is there something about cinema, given its plasticity that lends itself to the Silvana Novas and Doris Fishes of the world?
1: Um, That's an excellent question, and I'm not sure quite how to answer it. I think the truth is that in the second half of the 20th century cinema was our art farm it was the form that dominated the arts and the one we all looked to and the one that um that we all shared in common everybody went to the movies everybody knew what was at the movies when we wanted to have an argument at the dinner table we argued about movies i think that era may have passed uh we uh that era has fragmented into Marvel movies and independent movies, and it's not the binder that it once was so I think that um, what it meant for my generation it doesn't quite mean for the generations that have followed
0: Pauline kale in particular was particularly damning of uh, of, of that kind of movie uh, but she's also uh she she's been accused um of homophobia what do you think pauline kale would have thought of um doris fish
1: i think pauline would have been very amused by uh by doris i have to uh quickly um come to pauline's defense i've got about 15 pages in my book explaining why those uh Accusations of homophobia were utterly untrue. Pauline was one of my closest friends, and I'm a gay man. Uh, In fact, Pauline lived in San Francisco in the 50s and hung out with a bohemian crowd that was uh, largely gay. Um, Her friends included poets and painters who were among San Francisco's gay communities. So accusing her of uh, homophobia, I think, is... um, is simply unfair and untrue. She never saw Vegas in space, but she did see a few of Sylvana's early drag movies and was very amused by them.
0: Do you think, uh, Craig, if we look for too much meaning, significance, if we politicize Doris Fish, we essentially undermine her. You've noted in the book that she wasn't, or he wasn't particularly political, didn't define himself around politics. And that once a character, either a fictional character, I get a fictionalized character like Doris Fish or the real Doris Fish gets politicized. They're essentially undermined and turned into a footnote.
1: Um, No, I don't think that at all. In fact, it's true. I don't think Doris thought of himself as a political person. He once called himself in print a political couch potato because... Doris didn't engage in electoral politics, but then we have to think about what uh, politics is and how we define politics. If we define politics as electoral politics, then no, Doris wasn't a political figure. But in fact, Doris was a sexual radical. And I think that Um, What has happened to gay people over the past 50 years would not have happened without people like Doris, who were real leaders in the gay community. Uh, They weren't electoral leaders, but Doris was a leader of gay people being the people they wanted to be. And I think that that is uh, one of the things that's been really responsible for change in our community.
0: What, i'm not sure if you've seen the Eisenberg uh, book uh the engagement but um do you think that uh america's quarter century, well, i'm I'm borrowing from his subtitle america's quarter century struggle over same sex marriage this idea that Uh, uh, originally, it was totally beyond the pale, the idea of legally allowing men or women to marry each other. And now it's pretty Mm -hmm. much mainstream, accepted. no one doubts it, not even Ron DeSantis or or Donald Trump. Um, Is this can this be used as a kind of guide to make America a little bit more tolerant, open minded, a happier place, a more Doris Fish kind of place?
1: I think America definitely is a more tolerant and open minded place now. I mean, when I was 16 years old, I never dreamed that I would be uh, married to a man, which I am now. We're about to celebrate our 15th legal wedding anniversary, though we've been uh, together for 40 years. Uh, and I think that's something that Doris made, Doris and people like Doris made possible. We weren't dreaming in the 70s and 80s of gay marriage. We were just dreaming of um, of getting equal rights under the law. I mean, you may recall that in the 70s, uh, gay sex was actually a felony in a number of states. Um, so the changes that were going on... Um, were, uh, were going on in, in different directions. The fight over marriage didn't really begin in a serious way until the 21st century. Uh, even when he was running for president for, uh, for his first term, Barack Obama said that he believed marriage was between uh, a man and a woman. Uh, those ideas quickly, quickly shifted. And I think that was because of the fights over liberation that had come before. The issue
0: of transgender has become a a political hot potato. I have to admit, Mm -hmm. I generally steer clear of it because I'm sure I would profoundly get into trouble from one community or another. Does it, 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 Craig... does its increasing strength centrality does it change anything and 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 what does the the doris fish story tell us about that how can it help us all the sides make them a little bit more understanding and tolerant of people who choose to 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 uh to literally change their gender as opposed to doris who just dressed up
1: i think in uh Reading about Doris Fish, we learn a lot about transgender issues because of the people who were in Doris's circle. Uh, Doris uh, in San Francisco led a troupe called sluts a go uh, They did a lot of crazy drag shows, but they had um, five main participants. Uh, one was a straight man named Philip Ford. He appeared as a straight man. One was a cis woman named Sandel Kincaid who, um, remains a cis woman, has an 18 year old son. Now one was, uh, a much beloved, she was then called a drag queen in San Francisco named Tippy, but we would now easily recognize her as a trans person. I don't know anyone who used masculine pronouns for her or anyone who thought of her as anything but a feminine person. Then there was Miss X, uh, an important member of the troupe. Uh, Miss X is now married with three kids, one of whom is trans. And finally, there was Doris, who was a straight, out drag queen. Doris loved to dress up as a woman, but did not think of himself as a woman in any way, didn't really want to appear uh, as a woman or fool people into thinking he was a woman because that wouldn't have gotten him the attention he wanted. So I think in looking at the people that Doris performed with, we see a whole sexual spectrum, which we're much more aware of today than we were in those days.
0: I wonder Craig also whether perhaps the great lesson of Doris is humor. I, I, I see all the sides these days on the uh, on the front particularly the, the trans issue seems so serious. I mean obviously it's a serious issue in its own way. But do you think that the world that you're remembering, the world of Doris Fish, the world of San Francisco in in the 70s and 80s it was enormously humorous as you said you You had all sorts of mock campaigns around Harvey Milk. Um, Doris Fish was a performer, used humor centrally uh, in his act. Um, can Can we be reminded of the value of humor in life and in politics through Doris Fish?
1: Absolutely. And I think that's partly a generational question, Uh, I feel like the generation I belonged to was a taboo-breaking generation. Uh, We were always saying things we weren't supposed to say and laughing at things we weren't supposed to laugh at. And my impression of today's uh, younger people, whom I have tremendous uh, admiration for and are facing uh, problems much more serious in some ways than the ones Uh, we were facing, my impression of them is often that they find it hard to laugh at things we laughed at. They're much more uh, censorious and much more serious. Uh, That's not funny is a line that I think is used a lot more today than it was in the 70s and the 80s.
0: Yeah and even the the title of your book who does that bitch think she is is obviously a, a humorous title you know and it's a really interesting subject uh, craig you know that your generation was the taboo generation and you imply earlier that gay sex could end you could you could still end up in jail it could certainly quote unquote ruin your life lose your job alienate yourself from your family and, and so on and yet you had humor this generation I'm not saying things are ideal by any way, by by any means. We know that, but jail certainly doesn't seem to uh, be an option these days. So why why is the taboo generation so much more open to humor than today's generation, which takes everything so seriously, and yet the stakes, the personal stakes, seem to be less in a
1: way? Or am I being unfair? Um. I think things have changed for today's young people. When we got to San Francisco in the late 70s, early 80s, rents were cheap, Uh, there was no AIDS that we knew of, Uh, sex was everywhere, fun was everywhere. You could have a job and make a little money and have a great time. Uh, Today's young people come out of college with enormous student debt. They go into jobs uh, that force them to work 16 hours a day. They pay enormous rents that we couldn't have imagined in those days. Uh, I think life is a lot less fun for a lot of kids today. Uh, we could be crazy and think, oh, at some point we'll get serious and uh, about our jobs, but you really can't do that as a young person today. And so I I'm in no position to blame them for their seriousness, but I do feel bad for them that they can't have as much fun as we did.
0: So how do we turn back the clock? How do we reintroduce fun into the world, uh, Craig? Is it by undermining, uh, I use this word carefully, neoliberalism? Uh, Do we need an economic revolution or are there perhaps more practical ways of bringing fun back in?
1: Yeah, I'm all for an economic revolution. Tell me how to do it. Uh, I think one way to reintroduce fun into our society is being done by drag queens right now. Um, One thing I love about drag queens is that that's one aspect of gay life that seldom views itself with great seriousness. Drag queens are out there to have fun and to make you laugh. And that's something I really admire about them.
0: I think I even saw recently a photo of uh, Giuliani and, and, and Trump. I think Giuliani was, was dressed up as a woman. So perhaps even conservatives can have a bit of fun, Craig. Maybe we need to dress uh, Ron DeSantis up as a woman, and then he might smile a bit more. Is that a possibility? Can you, can you have a word with him? Do you know anyone in Florida who can get into his ear?
1: I don't, but I think he needs to find a good uh, designer of gowns, and that could do amazing things for his image.
0: Well, certainly, if Ron DeSantis, this is a public offering, Ron, if you're watching, if you dress up as a woman, you can come on this show and do whatever you like. And I'm sure Craig would come back, too, wouldn't you, Craig?
1: I would, but not as a woman. I myself am not a drag queen.
0: Well, you could bring uh, Silvana.
1: Silvana would be happy to dress up, and I'm sure that he would uh, outshine Ron DeSantis. He has a lot more.